Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. are some of the rudimentary, a few things, elements uh, of the church, of the Bible, of the scripture that are important to go back to time and time again. And uh, these things are important. They're important to people that, that have not yet experienced. And those of us who have, it's good to rehearse these things in our hearts and in our ears that they would just become second nature part of our life john 3 and verse 16 a verse that many are perhaps familiar with for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Acts 2, verse 38. You all probably could just even quote this. We wouldn't even have to look at the screen. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, we're going to be talking, continuing to talk about faith, right? We've got to have faith must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must have faith and we need to repent. Lord, I come to you this morning. I thank you, Jesus, God, for us gathering together today, Lord, in this house and in this place. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, that you're able to help us, God, as we open your word yet again, Lord, to look at the scriptures, Jesus, God, concerning these, Lord, elementary, essential, Lord, doctrines of the word of the Lord. God, touch our hearts anew and afresh, and we will not fail to thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated as you're being seated. Just a few things uh, to remember that there is the videography and photography uh, thing that continues here Sunday afternoon. I believe that's at 4.30. You, uh, it was, if that, is that what was up there? 4.30. Uh, that's this afternoon. Also, uh, we switched this year. Prayer at the church is the first Thursday of the month. So that's this week. So there's prayer on Thursday. Friday night is the next gen having their uh, time of activity. I think they're doing something Valentine's oriented right here. All of that is usually up here. But uh, we always do it multiple uh, places here on line say it because inevitably there's still someone comes up and asks about a time or a date and so I want to over communicate if it seems like I am I am okay so faith and repentance look at your neighbor and say faith and repentance we looked at this very uh, just getting into the waters last week concerning faith we were looking at some of the steps for salvation we mentioned that there was faith and there was repentance there was water baptism in Jesus name there was uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost uh, some of these steps for salvation and we just barely started talking about faith and repentance but the first step toward God is absolutely faith or belief uh, it's an essential part of the plan of salvation it's an essential part of us being born again of the water and the spirit. Because whenever you have faith in God or that you simply trust in God and have confidence in him, I might notably say that it's not just confidence in God, but confidence in his word. Because that word is, I mean, it's a part of God. It's his words. And so faith in God and his word, we, when we believe, we are showing a dependence and a reliance then upon that God that we believe and have faith in. You've oftentimes heard me even that whenever you come forward for prayer, you're exercising or even showcasing faith because at the moment of saying, please remember so-and-so, you're believing who we're going to pray to that has the ability to somehow intervene. And so you show faith just in your dependence upon him. So as we approach God for our lives, uh, being sinners, which we are all born into, uh, the, the, the condition of mankind, if we come to God concerning with our lives, then in that alone there is a reliance and a dependence that we are, uh, we are conveying to God that he can do something about our situation. The Bible says in Acts 16, and again, uh, I have a lot of Scripture, not all Scripture that we will go through, but a lot of it will be on the screen. Acts 16 and verse number 31, starting the Bible says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved, 
in thy house. This is the story of the Philippian jailer. You remember Paul and Silas, they're in stocks and bonds. Uh, They've been beaten with stripes upon their back at midnight. They begin to sing praises and pray unto the Lord. The jailhouse shook. You remember the doors of the prison were open. So there's a Philippian jailer there who is on the verge of taking his own life because culture that day, if any of the prisoners had escaped, his life would have been taken for their life because he was responsible for them to stay shut up in that prison. So had they escaped, he's like, and he probably thought all the doors opened, someone's surely got out, you know. But uh, 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 Paul and Silas holler into him and say, you know, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And so they say, and they said, believe. They're speaking to this Philippian jailer then. Believe. Look what they start with. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy household. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night. He washed their stripes and was baptized. This is just a side note because I can't, I can't but read this. Every time I read this and I am just blown away that perhaps with the same water he used to wash away the stripes he laid on their back, God took care then of the washing of his sins. That's just an awesome thing. And it's important. They told him to believe, but the Bible says they went on and spoke to him concerning the word of the Lord. And evidently what was said in the context of the word of the Lord led them even to water baptism. So belief was a good starting point, but it's a, it's a bad finish point. That's not where you end and finish. That's where you start. That's a good starting point. Again, we take in the whole counsel of the scripture to know what is necessary for salvation. And he was baptized, he and all his, so his, his family, amen, his household, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Faith, belief is absolutely essential. That's one of the reasons why in Acts chapter 19, uh, that whenever the apostle comes across some of those of Ephesus and the believers, he asks them this question. Many of you know these scriptures. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye... Underscoring, it's important to believe, but that's not all there is to the experience. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And what was their response? We not even so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And then he starts talking about their baptism. Because if you believed, it's great. And yet this Holy Ghost aspect thing hasn't come yet. Then let's look at some other pieces and parts of this salvation plan. What about your baptism? So all these are essential belief, though. Just underscoring again, belief, faith is a good initial step toward the salvation plan. Not only is it important, but again, our faith, it's what we put our faith in. Our faith must be in God, that one true, supreme, almighty God who there is none like him and there is not another This is not about having faith, and I say this respectfully, but this is not about having faith in some uh, wood, stoned image. This is not about faith in Allah or Confucius or Joseph Smith. This is about having faith in the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, not having faith necessarily in people or an institution or an organization. This is not about having faith in First Apostolic Church. This is about having faith in God. Mark 11 and verse 22, the Bible says, And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. To give you the context of the scripture, the day previously they were walking by a fig tree. It had leaves. The Lord went up to it to see if he could get some fruit from the tree because fig trees were known uh, that they produced the leaf and the fruit simultaneously. And so for this tree to have leaves to the Lord, it should have meant this tree should have had fruit. Because the fig tree gives leaves and fruit simultaneously. And when it didn't, it was almost like the Lord said, we got us a lion tree on our hand. Because it has leaves, but it don't have fruit. And the Bible says he cursed it. The next day they walked by it and his disciples were like just bewildered. They said, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed, there it is. It's there on the ground. I mean, it's dead. And the Lord spoke to them in that context, these words. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. 
Amen. He's directing them where they need to put and place their faith in. And that has not changed today. Whether it's faith for salvation, our faith needs to be in God. Whether it's faith for healing, amen, it needs to be in God. Uh, Whatever it may be in this life that we live for the Lord, our faith needs to be in him. Again, it's not a person, not an institution, not an event. All right? It's in God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 5. The apostle Paul comes to the church at Corinth. He tells them, whenever I come to you, I I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom or anything like that. He said, for that matter, I say to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the Bible says these words in verse number five. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He even told him, he said, when I came to you, not with the excellency of speech or men's wisdom, he said, I came in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, and that's where he transfers that your faith would stand. What? In that, in that spirit, that your faith would stand in that God, because that's where all of this flows from. That's where all of this comes from. It comes from God. A man's hand might be laid on your head, but the work is God's work. That's where in uh, days and maybe recent years, early times, you know, they used to talk about all these faith healers. There's faith healers. going to have a big crusade. going to have faith healers. And you're going you know, to get your healing. Faith healers. There is no plurality healers. There's only a faith healer, and it's not a man. It's God. Amen. That's where we put our faith. We put our faith in God. He may use a man. He may use certain means, events, things, but it all, every good and perfect gift cometh from above. From the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither any shadow of turning, the New Testament Scripture tells us. So our faith must be in God, but our faith must be in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the name that we must put our faith in. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 12, that first chapter of John where it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We go to verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, speaking of the name of the man, Christ Jesus. It says in verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name right look at first john 5 and verse number 13 it says these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god which is jesus christ that ye may that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of god which is jesus christ look at acts 4 12 we love this verse amen it's a good one there's other good ones along with it neither is there salvation in any other For there is none. Everybody say none. None. Say it again. Emphasize. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's speaking in Acts 4. This is just right after the man who had been sitting at the gate called Beautiful who was lame. That the strength came back in his legs and ankle bones. Uh, Peter and John had been on their way to prayer. Amen. And he receives the strength and this great thing was done. And they're wanting to know who did this. By what authority or by what name was this done. And they're talking about Jesus Christ. That's the name that they're speaking of in Acts 4.12. There's salvation in no other. It's in the name of Jesus. And so our faith must be in the name. Amen. That salvation is through. Our faith must be in the name. Amen. Whereby no other person can be saved except that name. Why would you want to have faith in another name that can't save you? I'm just, you know what I'm saying? If I, and this is probably maybe a crude example or analogy, but if I'm hanging over the edge of the cliff, I want to be hollering out to the name of the other one that's throwing down the rope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd holler out to Bob and Gertrude and everybody else, but if Frank's got the rope, if he's the one that has the power to save me, I want to be hollering out his name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And we read also, you can read John 3, or Acts 3.16. The Bible says, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Again, it's speaking of the man who was at the gate called beautiful. Amen. And so, as the scripture, and you'll see this time and time again, um, the Bible says that whenever the Lord Jesus Christ walking up on the earth would do this or that, or even the disciples would do this or that, that they would tell them, you know, 
uh, that they had come. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. Uh, the disciples said that they were doing the works, you know, of the one that had taught them and instructed them. Uh, for that matter, let's just think, just get real common in real everyday life. Uh, if you've ever went to somebody, you ever went to somebody to a business, you was going to have something done, whether it be for your car, for your home, whatever, and someone has uh, recommended you to this place, and what sometimes, if you say, if you feel comfortable doing this, you say, tell them that Paul McGee sent you. You ever done that? Have a place that you frequent, and you say, oh, I know a guy that's a real good guy. Just tell them, tell them that, you know, tell them that I sent you. Tell them that Paul McGee sent you. And so whenever you go into the place, you say, well, you know what, Paul McGee, Paul McGee sent me. You'll use that name if you think that it's going to really benefit you or give you access of some whatever that this person might have, right? If you walk in using the name, you're going to use it because you believe they tell you that because they believe in some way it's going to benefit you to say that you know them or you have some type of connection with them. Well, folks, let me tell you, whenever we have faith in the name of Jesus, there are a lot of benefits, and there are, there's a lot of access, if you will, that's granted by the name of Jesus. And so faith, yes, faith in God, faith in the name, faith as an initial step, but faith that just isn't faith in a moment, but a faith that continues through our everyday life. It is a continual faith. It is a faith that must remain. It is a faith that must be constant. It is a faith that must be steadfast. We start this walk in faith, and if we are to finish it someday, we'll be finishing it because we kept our faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, and this is like the last book of the 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, He's using some closing words to them, and these are some of the words he uses to close out that letter to the church at Corinth. He says, watch ye, stand fast, which means to continue or to persevere, stand fast in the faith. So he's telling that early New Testament church collectively as he's closing out his letter. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't, don't get faithless, all right? He said, you started this thing. You, you were instituted as a church. You all received the Holy Ghost, all this stuff in faith. He says, Stand fast, persevere, and continue in the faith. The Jude, the book of Jude, chapter number 1 and verse number 20, Jude is addressing some things going on, that there are some people that were mocking, people that were starting to walk their own way and their own path. They started to separate themselves for the Lord, from the Lord. The Bible even says plainly in the book of Jude, there's only one chapter, says that these were those that had not the Spirit, and verse number 20 says this, but ye, he said, beloved, he said, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. He said, there's some being wayward. There's some that's uh, disengaging from what they have once known. He said, but ye, he says, you all need to stay tethered, amen, to your faith. Colossians 1, verses 22 through 23. Again, all of these are probably not up there, uh, but the Bible says basically that Jesus might present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. Now, here's the condition. Jesus is going to present you like that. Unblameable, un unreprovable, holy in his sight. If, everybody say if. Small two-letter word, but boy, it really changes the dynamics of things. If we continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which ye have heard and which was preached. As a matter of fact, other places in New Testament Scripture, Jesus spoke of him going away and ascending after his resurrection. The question that he had in his mind in Luke 18, he said, whenever I return, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find what? Faith on the earth. Jesus, whenever he told Peter, he said, you're going to deny me three times. Huh? He says, but listen, Peter. He says, I'm going to pray for you that your faith fail not. Underscoring again the importance of maintaining and regarding, holding to, continuing with our faith in the Lord. It is not just an initial step for salvation. It is a way to maintain even what we have received. We must have faith in God. Someone say amen. Faith. Great first step. Good second step. Amen. In the process of salvation is repentance. 
The turning away and the importance, and I'll say this probably again, the importance of repentance is not just turning away from sin. It's so important not just to do half and not get the other half of repentance in there. It's not just the turning away from sin, but the turning to God. There's a lot of people that turn away from sin and don't turn to God, turn back to sin. And so it's important to turn away from and turn toward. Turn away from sin, turn toward God. And repentance throughout the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is a very major theme throughout the Word of God, this idea of repentance. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a couple of different Hebrew words that are translated repentance in our English Bibles or repent in our English Bibles. One of the Old Testament Hebrew words basically means this, to sigh or groan, to be sorry. That Old Testament Hebrew word is translated as repent. It literally means this, to have difficulty in breathing while one experiences intense emotion. Isn't that something? You can read of this. You can see it in Genesis 6 and 6. This is where that Hebrew word is uh, translated repent in Genesis 6 and 6. And it repented, and speaking of the Lord, and it repented that the Lord did he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You see it in other places, but that's just one of the first places that it was used. Amen. That, that to be sorry, that sign, that groan. Another Old Testament Hebrew word that is translated repent. This second Hebrew word means this. It means to turn back. To make a radical change in attitude towards sin and God. It is probably one of the most frequently used Hebrew words in the Old Testament, particularly by the prophets, to convey the idea of repentance. One of the places that it is used, it's used a lot of places, but one of the places, giving you a sampling here, Ezekiel 14 and verse 6, the prophet says, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent. So it's that word, turn back, make a radical change in attitude, repent. And look, even what's connected with it in the English Bible, and turn yourselves is almost defining the word, the Hebrew word in itself, and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. So there's that radical change. There's that turning away from. When we get in the New Testament, the Greek language has a word that is translated repent. And the word in the Greek means this, to think differently, to change one's mind. I've taught y'all before, it even means an afterthought. You do something and then you have second thoughts or an afterthought about what was done. See, that's how we live our lives right now. We enter the world as sinners. We do sin. When we come to a place of repentance, we have an afterthought about what we've done from that point backwards. <laughs> and so we're thinking on this. And so now we want to think differently. We're going to change our mind, change our purpose. There's going to be this is important, a reversal of direction. There's that about face, 180 degree turn. One of the places that this Greek word is used is in Mark 1 and verse 15. The Bible says, and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, repent. So think differently. Change your mind or your purpose. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So if you take then the concept of repentance and not just cherry pick from the New Testament or the Old Testament or just from one of these words and you put them all together, we really have a good then summation of what repentance involves. Does it involve being sorry? Yes. Does it involve that grief and that groaning or that sighing? Yes. Amen. From the Old Testament, regret, if you will, shame and guilt over our failures that we've come to realize now. Yes, but that's not it alone. It's not just tears on a face or sorrow. Repentance is not that alone. We've made mistakes. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in the church. We've made mistakes sometimes. Just taking the notions of tears down a face as repentance. That is somewhat repentance. But repentance is fuller than just grief and woe over what we've done wrong. According to the other definitions to bring in the full coloring, if you will, of repentance, there is also the change of thinking, the change of purpose that leads ultimately into a reversal, a change of direction. And so repentance, yeah, there's the grief and the sorrow and the feeling of regret, but there's also, you know what? This is what I used to do. I think I'm going to do differently now. And having behavior that mimics the mindset. <laughs> Amen. That is the full ball, if you will, of repentance. 
And I have no problem. I've seen it all this weekend, a bunch of tears. Oh, I'm telling you. You know, we, we go in there and we, we, have, we, have, we have people that had prostitute, you know, moms and, and been molested and people that, you know, were arsonists and people that, you know, uh, uh, addicts. And those were just people on the prison team. <laughs> and so, you know, whenever these stories are being told to these ladies, yeah, there's all kinds of tears. But it's more than just tears and grief. Because as a kid, I was sorry when I got caught with my hand in the cookie jar too. But many times it didn't keep me from going back and trying again. Amen. So, you know, a lot of times people, because of the feeling of guilt or shame, an emotional response sometimes is tears as a result of feeling the weight of the guilt and the shame. But... The true way to alleviate the guilt and the shame is change. Change. Amen. It brings regret. Yes, repentance does. We might have godly sorrow, but it's important to go beyond just the regret to the the radical mind, change of mind, change of thinking, change of behavior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 10, for godly sorrow worketh or literally leads to repentance, repentance in its full covering, grief, sign, woe, tears, change of mindset, change of behavior type of repentance. Repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world at work of death. Meaning this, that sometimes the sorrow of the world is just this. It's just an emotional response to the dilemma that they found themselves in dealing with the guilt and the shame of what they feel, but never moving beyond that. Sometimes getting a vicious, we sometimes, even whoever we are, we get in the vicious cycles of the dog chasing his tail. Right? We feel good, we feel regretful, we feel good, we feel shameful, we feel good, we feel... We break that cycle by changing. Stop chasing your tail. Stop chasing the same old patterns of behavior, the same old sins. Repent. Change the thinking. Change the direction. Amen. And here's the thing. Whenever we vow to God and we come to a place of repentance, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to have that about face. I'm going to turn away from sin and turn toward God. Man, in that moment, God sees the sincerity of your heart, and he's going to come down and try to aid you in your meaningful purpose toward him. You draw nigh to him, he is going to endeavor to draw nigh to you and help you with that. And so we need repentance because of this turning from sin, turning toward God type of mentality. Because repentance in the plan of salvation is a type and a parallel of death. Not a literal death of our bodies, but the death of the old man of sin. The sinner that we was. Our sinful man, our carnal nature. Repentance helps as, as forceful it may sound, helps kill the old man, the old tendencies, the old ways. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse 24, for they that are Christ, belonging to him, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. That's where it's important where as we take the pattern of the Lord's death, burial, and the resurrection in his death, his crucifixion, we want to be crucified with him. Because we know even as Christ was crucified, he took upon him the sins of the world in his body, the Bible says. He took all the handwritings of the ordinances that were written against us. In other words, everything that we did wrong, the Bible says he nailed them to the tree. Through his hands and feet, nailed to the tree and took them out of the way. I want to be crucified with him because those sins in my life need to be taken away for Paul McGee. They need to be taken, and so I'm going to be crucified with him. I'm going to repent. I'm going to be crucified with him. Another place in Scripture, Romans 6 and 6. Knowing this, that our old man, again, talking about that carnal nature, that sinful nature that we're born into the world with, that our old man is crucified with him, again, speaking of Jesus Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Because who or what you serve is your master or Lord. Hmm? You serve sin, sin's your master then. And the dictates of your master is what you will obey. You'll continue to sin. But if you'll serve the Lord, he becomes your master. And then the dictates that he gives, then we willingly give ourselves to. Because why? Now he's my master. He's my Lord. And the scripture is true. 
goes without saying, but I'll say it's true. No man can serve two masters. You're going to love the one or hate the other. You can't serve sin and serve God. Simultaneously. You're going to cater to one. You're going to neglect the other. There's, there's, there's going to be some type of shift. It's an impossibility. And so when we look at repentance, there is that symbolical, if you will, that parallel of dying to sin, that crucifying of the old man, our carnal nature. Amen. And here's something important. Here I want us all to realize. Even in Jesus' crucifix, we know in Ramal we say, well, they crucified the Lord, they took the Lord's life. And I understand, and we're really meaningful in saying all that. But in reality, nobody took the Lord's life. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He gave his life. He gave his life in the crucifix. He even told Pilate and them, he said, had not, the, had not the Lord given you power to do this, you wouldn't be able to do what you're even doing right now. Prosecuting me, sin him, you wouldn't be able to. He gave his life. So if that is the pattern, then in our repentance, we got to give up ourselves. Mm-hmm. No one's going to take it. No one's going to take repentance. You know what I'm saying? The Lord's not just going to come down and take repentance from you and like, you know, make you do it for you. No, 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 no. You got to willingly give it. There's got to be the giving, the surrendering, if you will, in that moment, just like the Lord, amen, where his life wasn't taken, but he had to give it up, give it up, because whoever loses his life shall find it, right? But whoever tries to keep it and cater to it, you're going to ultimately lose it, amen. Repentance. This is not if you want 18-inch or 20-inch wheels or if you want power locks or manual locks. This is not whether you want it to be automatic or standard. What I'm saying is repentance is not an option. When it comes to the plan of salvation, repentance is not an option. For that matter, it is commanded in Scripture, and it is required for salvation. I'll go a step further. Repentance is required for baptism. Just as much as death is required before burial. John the Baptist cousin to the Lord, six months born prior to him, comes forth out of the wilderness. He comes preaching and ministering the message of Matthew 3, 1 through 2. And this is his message in those days came. John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It wasn't enough. He said, repent ye. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, when he started, amen, ministering, amen, around the age of somewhere of 30 or such, Mark 1, verses 14 through 15, the scripture says, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Knowing that his disciples and apostles had received instruction from him of how these things ought to be concerning the plan of salvation we see then his apostles and his disciples what do they do john the baptist preach it jesus cousin jesus preach it those that were then the followers the pupils of the lord what do they come forth mark 6 and 12 and they went out and preached that men should repent acts 3 and 19 they said repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out Second Peter 3 and verse number 9, they, they, Peter saying in the book of Peter there, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He says that he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Amen. Jesus preached it. The disciples are preaching it. They're commanding it, more importantly. They're commanding it. Whenever you hear repent, repent ye, it's an understood you. He's talking to you, and they're not saying would you. Would you repent? No, 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 no. They're saying do it. And there is almost an urgency in the matter. Amen. It's almost an urgency in the matter. And so repentance is required. Repentance is required for everybody. In the scripture for, for, the, for the multitudes and the masses, uh, we see it conveyed. The repentance was required for the Jew and the non-Jew. For the Jew and the Gentile. For our day, I'll say it like this. Repentance is required for the white, the black, the Asian, the Hispanic. Amen. For the rich, the poor, hear me? For whatever state of socioeconomic status that we are in, for those with titles, for those without titles, 
Repentance for everybody. The Bible says in Acts 20 and verse 21, Paul is proclaiming, again, repentance, not just for the Jew, but for the non-Jew, testifying both, he said, to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 26 and verse 20, but shew first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem through all out the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works Meet for repentance. So that's good. It's got to be Jew, non-Jew, but let's broaden the scope. Repentance is for all people of all nations. Jesus said this repentance thing is a re- universal thing. It's not a uni- United States thing. It's a Japan, a China, Indonesia, U- Yugoslavia. It's a, it's a world thing. Repentance is required. The Bible says in Luke 24 and verse 46 and Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said unto them, his disciples, he's about ready to ascend now. He's telling his disciples, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. All nations. That was the plea for his disciples then. That's the plea for us now. It's going to be for all nations. He said beginning at Jerusalem. And we know according to Acts that that came about on the day of Pentecost when all nations were gathered together at the Feast of Pentecost that Peter stood up among with the others and spoke to them about repentance. The verse we read, Acts 2.38, about repentance being bad. The Bible said the Medes were there, and, and the Arabians were there, and this one were there, and each man was hearing the others. The Galileans speak in their own tongue, and they're bewildered by all this. You all be Galileans. Yeah, I hear you speaking. I hear you speaking in my native language and tongue. What in the world is going on? Peter says, we're not drunk as you think we are. It's about the third hour of day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dream. And your young men shall see visions. What he's saying? This is that. This is the Holy Ghost. This is that was spoken of. And they fulfilled the scripture speaking to all nations concerning repentance and remission on the day of Pentecost. And we still preach that message here and abroad. Why? Because it's a message for the world. None exempt. It's a message for the world. Repentance is for the world, being that we all have been born into this condition of sinful humanity. We need repentance. Someone say amen. Being good doesn't exempt us. Good deeds don't exempt us from repentance. We need to repent nonetheless. Because of Adam's disobedience, Adam and Eve in the garden, their disobedience again, we're all born into sin. No matter how good we even try or attempt to be, we all have sinned. Our goodness, quote unquote, is not sufficient. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Folks, I don't care how... I mean, there's just a few words there. How, how you really try to cut that sentence, that's pretty well inclusive. No, not one. There is none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah 46 and 6. But we are all as, un, as an unclean thing. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, you've heard us say this a gazillion times, gazillion one, are as filthy rags. Years ago, you heard Bishop. Did the cultural study on it. The rag that it is speaking of. Anybody know where I'm bearing go? You've heard this? Was the rag of the leopard that they put outside the city on an old gnarly tree. Because the lepers couldn't be in the city because of their leprosy. They're out there. They got, you know, missing ears and noses and fingers and sores and things exuding from their body as a result of their condition. They go out there to that gnarly tree and grab that rag and wipe their skin down. Put the rag back up on the tree, Kevin. For what? That wasn't their personal rag. That was the rag of the leper community. Another rep- leper goes up there. He grabs it. Still has the pus and some of the skin of the previous God that just did his. And he wipes. He said, God says, that rag, that's your righteousness. Whew. Wow. Woo. <laughs> Unrighteous. No, not one, our righteousness is as the filthy rag of a leper colony. 
which leprosy in the Old Testament scripture typified and paralleled the sin of the New Testament. So it's like the old leper or the old sinner colony. That's what your righteousness is as. For that matter, look at this description. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn there. It's not up there, but it's in Isaiah. It came to mind as I was uh, studying in Isaiah chapter number one. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is a description there. Uh, the Lord is speaking about Jerusalem and talking about her as a sinful nation and uh, about a people that's been laden with iniquity. You'll read of that in verse number one of, of Isaiah uh, chapter number one. Uh, you'll read of that in verse number four, rather. He's speaking to them as a sinful nation of people laden with iniquity. Then look at the description that he's given then of, of these people in verse number six. He says, from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Let me tell you, that's the best description of us as humanity when we exit the womb. Oh, they're so beautiful. They are, but they're a sinner. There's no soundness in them from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Their wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. They've never been mollified, anointed with oil. You know what? They need repentance. They need repentance. So when we talk about repentance, and I might do this on a separate thing sometime because, you know, the more that you interact with the Bible, the more that you begin to understand even things that you've read a thousand times. And I might do this sometime because I've, as I've done some studying, we talk about uh, the sign that someone's, the sign or the evidence that someone's been filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Uh, there are also signs of repentance. And uh, in my state, there is also signs in baptism, of our baptism. So I think it's very important because sometimes we get hung up on this. Well, in filling the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, oh, evidence. But in reality, through each step of the plan of salvation, primarily repentance, baptism, and filling the Holy Ghost, there are signs to all of those. But that's for another, another time, another avenue. But we'll kind of play with repentance a little bit. Signs of repentance. When we genuinely repent, there should be exhibit some Specifics are some signs, evidences, if you will, fruits of our repentance. The Bible says in Matthew 3 and 8, and I believe this is John the Baptist that's heralding this, he says, bring forth, again, there's an urgency here as they do it now. He says, bring forth, therefore, fruits or evidence. If I state a little bit more plainer, uh, what we produce that others see and categorize, categorize us by, right? Because the scripture says in another place, letting scripture interpret scripture, by their fruits, ye shall know them. People know us by our fruits or what's produced in our life. They categorize us by our fruits or what are produced in our life. And so he says, bring forth, therefore, fruits, the means and ways in which people identify and categorize us, some evidence, fruits, meat. The word meat means worthy, suitable, indicative of for repentance. Matter of fact, a little deeper meaning of the word meat, the idea is that of having equal weight or worth. In other words, bring forth fruits that mirror your repentance. That's answerable to your amended life. So he says, bring forth these fruits that's meat for you know, repentance. You repented, you cried, you sorrowed, you felt the guilt, the grief, you had a change of mind that affected your behavior. Bring forth fruits, evidences that there has been this alteration, this change. Acts 26 and verse 20. But shew first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea. We've read this already. Then to the Gentiles, but I want to focus on another part. That they should repent and turn to God. So we've looked at, you know, repent and turn from your idols. So here's another place, repent and turn to God, so there's that turning away from, turning toward aspect, and do works meet, there it is, suitable, worthy, indicative of repentance. And so there is some sign of repentance. Amen. In our repentance, in our repentance, we are, in essence, confessing that the Lord 
Jesus Christ is again absolutely Lord of all. We are in a confession mode that he is Lord and master of our lives. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse number 9, amen. I'm trying to look at my time here. Wow, this is going to turn into a three-part for faith and repentance. But nonetheless, that's okay. Romans 10 and verse 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made of salvation. Can I, because can, again, folks, oh, go, 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 go. This is like one of my big pet peeves in life as a minister. Just taking a section and not taking the whole counsel. I want to continue reading. Now look, if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Master, right? So we're under the dictates of Jesus, under the instruction of Jesus. That shalt, that thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Some people have taken that totally wrong, meaning if you'll just call on Jesus, you'll be saved. No, you call on the Lord Jesus. What you're doing, you're proclaiming that he is Lord and Master in your life. It's not just the sake you're calling on his name and then you're saved. No, you're declaring he's master now. You're declaring he's Lord. Now look, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with mouth confession is made in the salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Here's the verse. This is all within the same verse of Scripture. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Look! They called him Lord! Master! Your will is the ultimate will, God. But they all did not obey. If they didn't obey, then he truly hadn't been their Lord. So let's not cherry pick. Oh, just call upon him. You're saying, no, 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 no. If he's Lord, Lord means I obey the master. So the master says, Got to have faith and belief. Master says, repentance. He even preached it himself. The master says, baptism. The master says, infilling the Holy Ghost. The master says, so it's not just a confession that he is Lord. It's a participation in that he is Lord through our obedience. Is everybody all right? Oh, man. We could go on for a while. Stand with me. <laughs> I have a lot of fun teaching these good old rudimentary things. If you don't, if you haven't picked up on it. Oh, man. Faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. If you believe, if we can just bow our heads today. If you believe in God, if you believe in God, you have a faith in him, you believe that there is a divine design even concerning the universe and where we live you believe in God you approach him I implore thee today I command you as John the Baptist did Jesus did the disciples did I command you repent repent this morning the option is repentance or perishing we must repent except we accept that we would perish repent today you want to cry, that is fine. You, you have maybe regret and sorrow over maybe some, some actions or some things that have been done, that is fine. But ultimately come to a place where there's that change of mind, that change of direction, that turning away from and a turning toward. God will help you with that today. If your heart is truly sincere in that mode, Lord, Lord, I've, I've, just, I've had an afterthought concerning the way that I've lived my life up to this point in time. And I do believe in you and I trust you and I come to you today 
today with, with, with a heart full of for, uh, needing forgiveness, and I come to you even sorrowful, but God, I come to you with a mind, a mind shift, Lord, and I, I want to I try to walk, Lord Jesus, in a different path, and if you, those are just a few initial steps. We've had all kinds of scriptures here today, amen, to help that. You can call on the Lord this morning, and you can, from this day forward, declare, Lord, Lord, I'm not, I'm going to endeavor to, to, to refrain from serving sin. I'm going to serve you. I'm, I'm proclaiming you now, Lord, in this life. You now master in this life. And so I'm going to get my instructions for obedience from a different venue and a different voice. I'm going to allow you to speak to my life and I'm going to walk, amen, the way after the patterns that you have laid out in your word. Hallelujah. And I want to be called a son of God. If you need to repent today, you can do it right where you're standing in your pew. You can lift up your hands right now to God. Hallelujah. Because again, repentance and faith and all these things, these are not just initial things. These are good maintaining things that we need every day in our life. And we'll look at that more next week, just like we did with faith, how we need repentance to be daily and regular things of our life. You can raise your hands right now. Can we, those that would participate, just lift your hands all across this building today. Hallelujah. If you've already been born again of the water and the spirit, that's great. You can repent today, even for some schisms, if you will, or things that have been incongruent with God just in the past 24 hours. But if you've never been born again of the water and the spirit today, you can lift up your hands. And all those things since your birth of being born into the world as a sinner. You're a good person. You're a good person. But our goodness doesn't merit salvation. We need the almighty God. We need a change of mind and a change of behavior. Oh, that comes about through our repentance. It's a turning away from those things that we have been born into. That natural proclivity, if you will. That natural state of sin. And we need to turn toward God. Let Him be. Let it be more than just a profession of your mouth that He's Lord. Let it be a living of your life that He is Lord. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. All across this building today. All across this building today. Hallelujah. Could we this morning, could we come toward the front and close? Amen. In prayer today. Could we come this morning with our dependence and our reliance on God? We're coming forward exercising faith, believing that He has the power to intervene and alter change. Lift up our hands and hands of repentance today. God, I need you. God, let my godly sorrow work of Lord repentance. Not to be repented of, Lord. Not of the sorrow, Lord Jesus, of this world. God cares about you. God wants to help you along this path. He wants to help you along this journey. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Let's cry to Him. Sing the song if you want. Continue repenting if you want. Cast your care upon Him. Amen. Of yesteryear, maybe yesterday, whatever it may be. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.